Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Good morning. Welcome to the Allison H. Larson Show and Spotlight. I'm really excited for our guest today, Taylor and Carter. Uh, They're making a huge difference in the world of blue collar. And I know that all of us have somebody we know in our life or have been affected by somebody who is a blue collar worker. And I really appreciate them because they're bringing a spotlight to people who really do take care of us, keep America running, and have built America. And they have a very interesting story for how they got there as well. I had Taylor and Carter on my TV show a while ago, and their episode was actually one of the most watched episodes, one of the biggest hits of all the episodes. And I've thought a lot about why, but I think it's because of the, the message that they have to share and the appreciation, awareness, and honor that they are bringing to everybody in the blue-collar crowd. So, uh Big welcome to Taylor and Carter. That's Taylor Hill and Carter Hawkins. Are you there? We are here. We are. Hi, Allison. Great. Hi. Good having both of you here. Okay, so I want to tell a little bit to our viewers about what you're doing, Uh, but the biggest thing uh, that I want to point out is that you actually uh, started a movement and have a book called Blue Collar Proud, and you did a radio show for years called Guys in Trucks, which you've now changed to Blue Collar Proud as well. So you're building this brand, but you've done a lot. One of the things that I always like to do at the beginning of my show is is give you permission to brag. So uh, I give my guests permission to brag. So I want you guys to brag about some of your accomplishments, the things that you've been been able to do in this industry so far? Oh, we've been having a lot of fun. We've been doing our show, uh, like you said, started as Guys in Trucks and then became Blue Collar Proud at the beginning of this year, 2017. And uh, we've just been having a great time really connecting with blue collar business owners, but also with their staff, the, the, the key crew members that help them uh, grow their businesses. It's just been a lot of fun. We we hear all the time, uh, read comments on various places where our content is found on iTunes, on YouTube, and various places that we're really connecting. People really appreciate what we're what we're bringing to the table, what we're saying about what it takes to grow a business that you can be proud of. One of the things that we always say is that it takes the same amount of blood, sweat, and tears to build a business that you hate. That's that ball and chain that just keeps you shackled, that you can never leave. You can never, it just chews you up and spits you out. That, that, that slave kind of business that you, that, that just really takes everything you've got. Uh, it takes the same amount of blood, sweat, and tears to build that business as it does to build one that's like a vacation, that just gives you everything you want yeah. plus more, gives you that feeling of freedom, you know, and all of that. So it's just, it's such a, um, a choice that you have to make. If it's the same amount of effort, why would you build a prison? Why not build a paradise? And so um, as we've, we've, we've heard business owners tell us that, that a lot of the content that we're sharing with them is really helping them to accomplish that dream and get them there sooner. I love that. I love that. And, you know, uh, you guys really have created a paradise for yourself. I First met you, oh gosh, it was about a year ago now and was just really struck with how happy you are, how passionate you are about what you're doing and how much you enjoy what you do. So 
I love that you're recreating that for other people. And I want to get into your story here a little bit. And one of the things we're going to do, if you'll give me permission to interrupt you as you talk, is we're going to pull out some of those golden nuggets because you've been able to do something like you just stated where you've created something that you really like to do, you really enjoy to doing, and that you're passionate about. And I think everybody wants that. So uh, if we could, we can learn from you as we go on this journey, that would be great. But just to clarify, right here from the beginning, what exactly is it that you are doing now? Well, we have, um, we have a marketing company uh, called Spark Marketer that um, really works with predominantly blue-collar businesses, and that's how we got into this. And so what, would, what was happening is we were having conversations that we were going in thinking we were going to have a marketing conversation and ended up having a lot of business conversations because they saw that we ran a really good business and our business was growing and thriving and, and you know, we had put a, a lot into our leadership and culture. And so I was having conversations that were almost exclusively business-oriented and no longer marketing-oriented. So as Carter and I experienced this, what we realized is there are a lot of small independent businesses out there who feel like they've been left behind and have not really had the opportunity to listen and learn some of the core business building things that every business needs, uh, and especially a small business because you're a culture in a small business, you can't hide it. it it's always going to be there. Uh, a lot of times in big corporations, you may have these little pockets of bad culture, uh, they get hidden here and there that, that are, you have to kind of fare it out. But in a small business, man, it, it shows its ugly head all the time. So that's how we started uh, originally the podcast Guys in Trucks, and, and which is now, again, Blue Collar Proud, because we wanted an opportunity to mentor and encourage and, and really share with these guys um, some of the business things that, that we've learned uh, not only business, but mindset and, and growing and growth, things that we've had to go through. And uh, what we've learned is it's been an extremely uh, beneficial thing to most of our, our listeners. And uh, Carter and I have laughed because we thought in the beginning that they would really want to hear all the guests. And we hear over and over again, no, we, we love hearing from you guys. So, you know, we feel <laughs> we feel. Uh, really grateful about that because we thought we were going to be the boring guys, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's so interesting that I find with you, and I know your story, but everybody else listening might not yet, so I want to get into that, is that you, how you got into this all. So I want to go back a little bit to, I mean, neither of you are in the blue-collar industry. Um, right. So what is, what, is your, what is your story? How far back do you want to go? Because I think there's a lot of gold nuggets that we could pull out of this. When did you first well, I was what born. you on the path? <laughs> yeah, how, how yeah. Are you that again, please? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, I said, well, I was born. Let's see how far you want to go back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, know. I'll, but I'm saying, take us through your childhood, please. No, uh, it's one of those no, things let's, that... Let's start at where you guys started developing this idea or got passionate or what, what set you on the, the path to be able to do this? Because there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this show and more than just talking about blue collar pride on the show, which I think is really important. I also want to talk about how you were able to come together as partners and create a successful business. 
what gave you the idea? What set you on that path? I'm gonna I'm gonna start, and then I'm gonna let Carter finish because the the reality here is Carter and I have known each other almost thirty years, and we have a lot of history together. So we have been really good friends. We have been in other businesses together. We're in the music business. We're songwriting partners. So we've, we have a lot of history and we have people that ask us quite a lot, you know, how do you find a really good partner? And it's like, well, the way that we found our partnership is really because we found really good friends, but we're not, we're not fine feathered friends. We are deep pushing in your face, get over yourself <laughs> type of friends. Mm. I mean, we hold each other accountable, hold each other's feet to the fire, and we give each other permission and know that the other person that does that does it because it's for our own good. If you well, I can't think you hit inter- something right, you know, on the head right there. And again, I, I'm going to kind of interrupt you to pull these out. Sure. But I love what you said. You weren't just fine feather friends. You held each other's feet to the fire. And I, I think that a lot of people that I know that have created partnerships that have failed they failed because they didn't give each other that permission that you're talking about to hold each other accountable. It was more of the, oh, well, you know, whatever you want to do, or they were too nice as friends, and then they rec- they, they didn't think they could be friends and still hold each other accountable. But um, I, I think that that's a huge thing. So I would like you to elaborate on that just a little bit more. What happens if you if you see something in one another that you're doing that you don't agree with or you want to change as partners, what's the process you go through? Well, it's a real delicate balance, Allison. You you need to, uh, I mean, getting in each other's face is, you know, it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary, and it always has to be done with respect. The moment mm-hmm. that respect leaves the equation, that's when things, now we're just taking shots at one another. Now we're just firing across the bow, we're not on the same side anymore. We're taking opposite sides of a viewpoint and being destructive in the way that we try to deal with it. And uh, the thing that, that Taylor and I have been able to maintain, and thankfully it's that, it's that respect for one another, that understanding that Taylor has a viewpoint that while it's different than mine often, in fact, most of the time it's different than mine uh, in some way, um, but I can appreciate that. And, and what I mean is I see value in the way that he approaches the problems in our business and the problems in our friendship. He is able to bring things out that need to be dealt with, and I can respect the fact that he's going to hang in there, deal with the uncomfortableness of, of processing this and working through it, and that we can stay... Uh, engaged in that process as long as it takes in order to come out the other side of it with that respect still intact and that ability to still, you know, be friends at the end of the day, go have a beer. Um, so it's, it takes a lot of work. Uh, it's like a marriage. It really is. It's my second marriage. I, I'm married to two people, my wife and my business partner. Um, but it, it's, you, you, it's, that, it's that need to stay respectful that really wins the day in a partnership. Um, I see it happen all the time in marriages as well as in business partnerships. The moment the respect yeah, leaves, you can start the clock. It's, it's over. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking is, you know, this has got to be the principles that you use in any kind of partnership that you have in your life. So I appreciate that and appreciate your friendship. So uh, 
thank you for for taking the time to elaborate on that. So, uh, let's see, Carter, back to you now on this on the story. You've been friends for thirty years. You're still friends and good business partners. Now we know why. So we we really have taken uh, all sorts of different avenues to try to be um, you know to, to to express our entrepreneurial and creative sides. So as Taylor mentioned, songwriting. Uh, we've done some screenwriting and had a lot of close calls. But what was happening in those industries was you would create something amazing and then you had to put all of it in someone else's hands and hope and pray that they were going to make your life successful. Uh, Because in the entertainment industry, there are key players that stand in key positions that control whether or not your story ever gets heard, whether your song ever makes the radio or gets sung. And so those key players have to stay in those key positions long enough to see a very lengthy process through. And so in a sense, you're taking all of your eggs and putting it in someone else's basket. And that isn't a business model. That is called gambling. (laughs) Okay. So uh, we just decided this isn't something that we want to do. I mean, at some point after a really big disappointment, when a major studio, motion picture studio, uh, that was considering optioning one of our screenplays, uh, decided that, you know, it just it wasn't going to happen. But they didn't even tell us it wasn't going to happen. They just stopped returning our phone calls, and it just, it was like the deal never even, you know, existed. And it was such a disappointment. And Taylor and I licked our wounds for a little bit, but in the end, we just decided, you know what, we need to take charge. We need to build something that is incrementally successful, that we can build upon success after success after success, where we can learn from failures, but failures don't kill us. They just are those stepping stones toward bigger successes. And so it's well, a I, I can definitely appreciate. I, I can definitely appreciate that. And I think that that's, you know, a common thing that really successful people experience. They have to experience failure and then they reinvent or recreate themselves. And so I can see why that aspect of it helped you to be successful. But but why, I mean, Taylor Carter, how did you go from songwriting, you know, and in, in being in basically the movie and media industry to working with blue-collar blue collared workers and having having this passion. What was the what was the journey there? Well, it was a long and winding road. Uh <laughs> but we finally got back to it. Uh you know, the the thing about being songwriters and being in in uh screenwriters is you do a lot of marketing. So we were always marketing our stuff and so we you know, we knew that. And then I also have a, a bit of a financial background. So I actually went into uh finance and and Carter kind of went his way and just a long story short I was in the I ended up in the mortgage industry and when everything went south uh, I ended up getting into SEO which was more technical to help myself I had people coming to me wanting me to do that I took them on so when when everybody else was tanking I was actually doing pretty good but in a totally different business and at the same time Carter had been with a startup and they'd run out of money but in that in that world, he had started building websites and, and doing the creative stuff. And then we had lunch one day and kind of caught up and thought, wow, this is interesting. I'm now doing search engine optimization. You're doing websites. I know people who need what you need. And he said vice versa. So we started uh, really sharing uh, information and sharing clients and giving each other clients. And then in 2010, he just came to me and said, man, let, you know, we've been in business before. 
uh, let's give this a go. And I said, okay, we'll give it a go. And uh, so we went in business together uh, beginning of the year in 2010. And uh, the first year was tough. I mean, it was up and down because we were trying to figure out what we were going to be really doing. I mean, it was, you know, in, in the traditional agency model, you go do a job and, and you've got money coming in and it's great. And then all of a sudden you finish the job and there's no more money. And so you got to go sell, sell, sell. And then you're do, do, do that sell, sell, sell. And it's a roller coaster. And um, uh, in the search engine optimization business, it's a monthly situation. So I said, you know, we got to figure out something to do on a monthly basis. I said, I don't know what it is yet, but I got to figure that out. And then um, a guy with a small chimney sweep company here in Nashville, Tennessee, was in my BNI group, and I highly recommend networking for anybody out there. Uh, but um, he hired us to do his website, and so I went in and looked at everything and said, man, you got a mess. You've created this mess. And he said, well, how much is it going to fix him? And I told him, and he, when he got up off the floor, he said, okay, let's do it. And uh, what we didn't know is he happened to be the president of the National Chimney Guild, uh, the Chimney Sweep Guild. And um, so when things turned around for him, and it took him about, about 18 months for things to really start going, he asked us to come speak at the uh, convention. And uh, when we did, our business really took off. And what we discovered was we like these guys. I mean, they are fantastic people. And they're working their tails off, you know, trying to make something happen for them and their families, their communities. And we had worked with all these big corporate, you know, outfits and whatever. And Carter and I just said, man, these are, these are who we want to work with. And, uh, I mean, my family's blue collar. I come from a long farming family, uh, up until the last generation. And, and I'll just tell you, this, they, they remind me of my family. And so I love these guys that we work with and I, I would do the same thing again. You know, it's interesting that, that, well, that's, that, go ahead, go ahead, Carter. One of the things that, that really helped us see it so clearly was when we got the opportunity to start really working with blue-collar businesses in a big way, um, and they were seeking us out for, for our help with what we could do for them, um, we were still in the corporate uh, agency world, and so we got to really contrast at the same time to see what the corporate world was about and what these small business, blue-collar Middle America, uh, you know, businesses were about and how they ran. And the contrast between the two was just so stark. Um, the, the, the way that they perceived success was different. The way that they measured, um, you know, what, what was important. And to be able to be a part of their story, to be a part of their business and help them grow was just such a huge win for us. It was so uh, rewarding to, to know. I mean, these guys, every dollar matters to them. In a corporate world, yeah, they're going to try some things, and they know that, that some things are going to work and some things aren't. But for a small blue-collar business looking to hire a marketing company, every dollar that they pay this marketing company is a dollar that, you know, if, it, if they weren't spending it with us, they'd be putting it in a college fund or taking a much-needed vacation. Uh, you know, and so to know that 
the, the, the money they were spending with us mattered that much. It made us care that much more about what we did for them and showing them results. And so uh, really it was through our marketing services that, that we fell in love with Blue Collar. But as we got to know the business owners, we it was more than just an industry decision or a, a niche for our marketing services. It really became driven by a desire to help blue-collar businesses succeed in business in ways that we saw that they were undercutting their success, and we wanted to address those things, and we needed to speak about running a business that you could be proud of in a way that we see as a real need in the blue-collar communities. Well, you know, what stands out to me the most in listening to you talk during this segment and visiting with you in the past is your passion for people and that you really care about them, and, and it really is unusual in business today to talk to somebody who truly cares about the people that are spending money with them, who understands how valuable every dollar is to them. So we're going to take a break now, but when we come back, you're going to hear more from Taylor and Carter, including uh, some, some pretty interesting stories, and you're going to get some more valuable information advice on how to grow your business um, and how they're helping other people, especially in the blue-collar community, be able to market and grow theirs as well. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. Today, I have the privilege of having two wonderful business uh, partners and also good friends of mine, uh, Taylor and Carter. That's Taylor Hill and Carter Harkins here joining us today. They are the creators and facilitators of Blue Collar Proud, and I've already taken away some great information about how to create a strong partnership, about how to to be innovative, about caring for customers and 
really knowing where every dollar is being spent. So one of the things that you uh, told a story on my show, Carter, um, that really, really touched me, and I think it's important for the world to hear this story, and this is a story about about being a blue-collar worker. So uh, could you go ahead and share that story with our listeners now? You bet, Allison. In fact, this was really the turning point for us in in deciding to start Blue Collar Proud. This was a, a client of ours that was telling us a story uh, about a time he went into a client's or into a customer's home. This was a, a really nice part of town. It was a doctor's home, and he showed up in order to do the job that he was called there to do. Uh, and he came into the home and was in a kind of a utility closet, working on something with a flashlight, shining it up, and he hears voices behind him in the room, and he's not really paying attention to them, but as he as he's kind of back there and shining that light up into the, the utility closet to see the problem, he hears the doctor who was in the room talking with his teenage son, and the doctor tells his son, you see, Franklin, if you don't go to school, if you don't get good grades so that you can get into the best university, this is the kind of work you're going to end up stuck doing for the rest of your life. And our client told us the way that that impacted him. And it was not simply, well, how how dare this guy? He doesn't know me. Blow it off and then go on your way. He said, it really bothered me. It stayed with me for weeks. This feeling that what I did was less than what someone else did simply because it didn't require a university degree in order to do it. Now, and he wrestled with some anger uh, toward his customer thinking, this guy doesn't know me. He doesn't know what kind of house I live in. He doesn't know the way that I live my life and, and care about my family and do the work that I do work that he can't even do. He's not willing to fix this, uh, you know, system in his home he called me to do that for him. How dare he put me down in front of his son? So it was a real struggle for him. But um, what he did in the moment, I thought was really telling. And I think it was an important message. And this is really the message of Blue Collar Proud. Our client turned around to his customer, the doctor, and he looked at him and he said, well, what you don't know is that I do have a college degree and that I chose this work because it's meaningful to me to be able to come in and serve you as my customer and do something meaningful for you that makes your life better. And I would hope, and he looked at the the doctor's son, and he said, I would hope that you would make that same decision in your life and that you would know that your dad supported that decision because ultimately that's what makes our lives valuable is when we're doing good things for other people. And so, you know, it, it was, a, it was a, a moment of clarity for Taylor and I to hear that story from our client and realize this is what the world needs. The world needs blue-collar business owners who are strong, who take pride in what they do, who do it with honor and integrity and dignity. We believe that dignity doesn't come from the job you do. It comes from the way you do the job. And so, I love that. that. Will you say that one more time, please, Carter? Because I think that's worth writing down or making note of. Will you say that one more time? Yeah, dignity doesn't come from the job that you do, it comes from the way that you do the job. And everything that we've written in our book, Blue Collar Proud, is about that dignity. It's about finding 
It's about what happens to a business owner who doesn't do their work with pride, who doesn't run a company they can be proud of, and the way that that infiltrates into the culture of the company, the way that it impacts the lives of employees, and the way that those employees then impact the lives of the customers of that business, and the way that that it shortchanges that community where that business is located in really profound ways. But what happens when a business runs it with pride? What happens when that business owner looks at what he does with dignity and teaches his employees to hold their heads up and do that work with dignity. And then they go in and don't tolerate when customers don't treat them with dignity. And in fact, they encourage their customers to appreciate the work that they've done and and view it as a professional calling and and line of work that has uh, true um, uh, worth and value. And then that spills over into the community when that business is strong and is able to serve and take care of the needs of that community in really profound ways. And so we just, it was one of those clear moments where we just saw this is something we need to do. And it became a real purpose-driven uh, part of, of our, um, what, what gets us up every day. Well, I love hearing stories like that because I think all of us, you know, if we dig deep enough, can remember that that moment that we've had where uh, somebody says something, maybe a client of ours, or maybe it's even, you know, as a parent, maybe it's even our children, but somebody says something to us in that moment, you're like, yeah, this is why I'm doing what I do. This is, this is it. This is it right here. So thank you for sharing that moment with us. Uh, Taylor, what I'd love to hear is what maybe are some tools or tips that you give to people who are marketing or growing their business. I know you specialize in blue-collar uh, workers, but I think these tips can apply to everybody, uh, no matter who you are. So, so what are some, some takeaways that you want us to get from, from this show today, or what are some things that you can give us? I, I think one of the uh, bigger things that, that I like to discuss when somebody asks me, a marketing question is to make sure that it really is a a marketing issue because there are a lot of things that um, that people come to me with that they think is marketing and it it really is more about leadership it's more about culture it's more about uh, systems and some of the other things in their business and it all Can you starts give us an with example? leadership yeah sure. Um, I've had people that have, have called me, and this is, this is the number one thing. We need more business. We need more sales. Sales, 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 right. sales. Well, sales. everybody wants more business than sales. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, yes, everybody wants business. more sales. The problem is if you have a really bad business, especially online, if we do everything that we need to do for you, you're going to find out real quick that all those negative reviews that are sitting out there online are going to turn, it's just going to turn the volume up and we are going to put a megaphone on how bad your business is being run. So a lot of people don't think about that. They think it's all about just getting money in the door. But in today's, in the day's world, people will look you up, you know, about 94%. And wait, you know, five years ago, it was like 60%. Today, it's 92 to 94% of all of your customers are looking for you online. They're looking at your Facebook profile. They're going to the reviews on Google, Yelp, and Facebook. They are uh, looking at Instagram, some of your other other social stuff. If you're a coach, if you're a coach or author, they're going to be on your Twitter. They are looking to find out what what you look like, who you are. Do they really like you, and do they want to do business with you? 
They're going to be on, if you're in the service business, they're going to be on your website. I guarantee you, you know, these services that say they're never going to come to your website. Oh, they do. They come to your website. I've got the analytics to prove it. So, you know, but these are, people think this is a marketing issue, but I'm telling you, it's a leadership issue because if you can't get the stuff in your business right and you market your business the way you're supposed to, I will blow you up. And we've turned people yeah. down that want to work with us because I'm like, I can't work with you because I'm going to hurt you. You have to get well, this other stuff straight. Well, here, here's, a, here's a problem that I see. Yeah, totally. Well, and here's a problem that I see in a lot of businesses, and I don't think they're intentionally trying to give bad service, but I think something that happens is sometimes the sales, they're better at sales than they are at fulfillment. And yes. that, that is a leadership issue because if you are better at selling than you are at fulfilling, <laughs> if you're selling something that you can't do, then yes, you're going to get bad reviews. Yes, you're going to get a bad reputation. And so no amount of marketing is going to be able to help that. You have to be able to have fulfillment keep up with your, your sales as well. Have you ever worked with anybody who's had that problem? Oh, absolutely. And, and in fact, we had a, a guest on our show, Christian Devlin, who's a plumber, uh, just recently. And he, I'm, I'm stealing from him because I think it's perfect. He said, what you have to do, you have to nail it before you can scale it. So what the nail mm-hmm. is, you have to nail your service. Your right. service, what you do for people. And this, this is one of my pet peeves. If you say, I am a service business, but you do not have a service heart, <laughs> how can you be in the service business? To be yeah. in a service yeah. business, you have to have a servant's heart because that's what that's we awesome. do. We serve people. We, you know, we don't, do, we don't do plumbing just for the pipes, we do the plumbing for the people. You know, we don't go in and and sweep a chimney for the health of the chimney. Yeah, that's great, but we do it for the health of our family and the safety of our families. I'm sure, you know, a plumber doesn't love a toilet. He loves the people he's serving. You know, exactly. He doesn't love that's the way he loves the people. And yeah, Yeah. I I mean, I think anybody can, can roll that into their business. It's, the people yeah. you're serving, you have to have a servant's heart. I like how you said that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, beyond that, you know, to be a great leader, you have to be a servant. And a lot of people miss How, how do you do that? How do you do that, though? I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I think the best leaders are also the best servants. But how do you get to that point? I mean, you're trying to grow business. You're trying to, to create this certain sense of... Uh, authority and and respect among people, uh, you know, and some people say, well, how can I serve if I'm trying to be in this leadership role or in this authoritative figure? Or what I, I mean, how do you develop that? The number one job of a leader, and this is Patrick Lencioni who says this, is one of our heroes, and he was on our show last year, and it, he said the number one job of a leader is to create more leaders, and really that is the servant part of it. It's the desire not to promote me, not to feed my ego and make me bigger and appear more prestigious to the community around me. 
It's to make sure that my employees get a chance to learn what it is to lead others, to not only um, lead in my company, but lead in their homes, to lead in their community, to give them opportunities to step up and then make sure that they don't fail at that job that we're asking of them uh, at that leadership task or at that leadership level. It's inviting them into something that's bigger than they are. It's creating a culture that supports that. And so for a leader to, when we talk about servant leadership, when we talk about the idea that the leader's job is creating more leaders, really it's um, a, a true leader is not satisfied simply commanding. And, and there, I, I draw a difference between commanders, that command and control style of leadership and the servant style of leadership. Uh, command and control is about hierarchy. It's about making sure that people don't die out on the, the field of battle. It's about uh, protecting people in very dangerous situations. And those aren't the situations that we find in business. What we find in business is something that models real life much more closely. It models uh, relationships. It models transactions with clients that turn into, um, you know, real meaningful communication and dialogue about what's necessary and what's needed. It's an opportunity to come into people's homes and see even bigger needs than the ones that you were called there to, to serve. And so, you know, by, by being tuned into that and by tuning in your staff, your crew to those needs, you get a chance to lead them and empower their lives to be more meaningful in the process. Well, I think you, you know, hit something on the head there, and I think I've, see, I've seen this problem a lot, even as a, as a leader, an aspiring leader in my own business. I struggle with this, and John Maxwell talked about something similar about how, you know, the highest level of leader is somebody who is, is basically able to replace themselves <laughs> by training someone to do what they do. And I think a lot of the time people are afraid that they can be replaceable. That, or that they are replaceable, and somehow that makes them less valuable. But actually, the only way to really duplicate our value is to train someone or, uh, you know, help mentor someone to be able to do what we do. And if you're a leader, that means training another leader and putting aside the thought that that's a threatening thing, but that you can better serve the world as a whole if you can duplicate yourself and create more leaders. So that's a concept that I think true leaders um, are able to grasp and something that I've seen both you, Taylor, and you, Carter, be able to achieve and accomplish in your in your business. So thank you very much for sharing that idea with us and for helping us to realize because I think that that's a big problem and that a lot of people are afraid of, of duplicating <laughs> what they do because they're afraid they'll be replaced. Well, and- and Allison, one of the other things, just very quickly, we all talk about we want freedom. There's no way we'll ever get freedom from our companies unless we train others to do what we do so that we can truly yeah. have freedom to be able to go in and out of our companies and do other things. That's a good point. I think a lot of times I was just talking with someone this morning that said, you know, Allison, I really realized I've become a slave to my dreams. I worked so hard to build up this business and to create this, you know, uh, thriving business. And now because I have no one else that can do it, I'm a slave to it. I have fulfillment and customers that I promise things to, and, and I'm, I'm stuck here. I can't, I can't just go do what I want. So um, that's a really good point when you can train somebody to do what you're doing so that you can step away. That, that gives you a lot more freedom, and that, which 
then equals happiness in your life, which is what we talked about in the beginning, creating that business yes. that you yeah, really and, want, and the fact, creating that paradise, not that prison. The fact is, Carter and I would never have been able to do Blue Collar Proud had we not trained the guys to take and run with the marketing company. Yeah, so, such That's powerful simple. information. Now, when we come back from this commercial, uh, we're going to hear more from Taylor and Carter. They're going to pick up where we left off because I think it's a great train of thought. I also want you to tell us, Taylor and Carter, how we can find out more about Blue Collar Proud, how we can be part of your world. And I'm telling you, you know, Jim Rohn said, you are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. I, I mean, I don't know how much time Carter and Taylor have to spend with you, but to rub shoulders with these gentlemen uh, is an absolute privilege and, and something that in a lot of ways I want to emulate and aspire to do what they're doing in their business. So uh, more with Taylor and Carter when we come back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. It's time to elevate yourself and your business to the next level. What are the secrets of business success? Discover them on Key Entrepreneurs of Influence with your host, Kieran Sweeney. Find out who the business owners are that stand out in their respective industries and what they can teach you. The program contains valuable advice that can cost thousands through a professional consultant. Key Entrepreneurs of Influence can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you want to transform your mindset to get more from life and enjoy more success, then don't just get motivated, be inspired. Listen as hosts James Dentley and Stephen Pierce take you on a fun, bold, and exciting adventure that will inspire you with ideas, stories, and success strategies to help you find your passion, live your dreams, and experience more happiness and success. Tune in to Be Inspired every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Your future depends on it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back. Joining us today, we have the creators of Blue Collar Proud. That's Taylor Hill and Carter Harkins. Uh, just a privilege to have you two gentlemen here. I, I thought I knew everything there was to know about you. I thought I'd learned a bunch from you, which I have on the TV show, but I'm learning so much more still from you. Uh, on this radio show today, I've already taken so many notes. And we're, we were talking before break about leadership and the importance of leadership in really creating a business that is more of a paradise than a prison. And that leadership has, has to do with culture as well. So I want to, want to pick up there where we left off. Talk to us a little bit about creating a culture. Well, one of the things that we've noticed, you know, we talked about leadership earlier, and that really is where we start the conversation when we talk with business owners. Uh, Blue Collar Proud, the book that we wrote, contains 10 principles for building a business that you can love. And the first principle that we really talk about is leadership. But the second one that we talk about is culture, because the leader sets the tone of the culture for the business. Every business has a culture, whether they realize that or not. 
and being intentional about making that culture what you want it to be is the job of the leader. So um, creating a culture that gives you freedom, that, that creates the possibility for that business to be a paradise instead of a prison. Um, we've seen cultures, we've walked into blue-collar businesses and understand that in most blue-collar service businesses, it's a masculine culture. That's not always the mm-hmm. case, and we've, we've certainly had the privilege of talking with many women-owned businesses in blue-collar businesses, and those cultures are amazing to, to see and watch and see how they're different even. Uh, but it, for the most part, there's a, there's a masculine culture there, and that culture can sometimes be very uh, heavy-handed. And so, and, and, and traditionally in blue-collar work, uh, especially as more and more people who chose blue-collar blue collar work had a dim view of their own abilities in the world. In other words, mm-hmm. in high school, they were told, well, you're not college material, so I guess you're going to end up swinging a hammer for the rest of your life to make a living. Uh, so they looked at themselves as less than. The only option I have is to go into a job that doesn't require me to have an education. And since I'm not the brightest bulb in the box, uh, this is what I've got to go do. And so there's been this pervasive shift in our culture as a, as a, as a nation and as a, a society uh, that looks dimly at blue-collar work. And we're, we're, while we're challenging that stereotype and certainly wanting to change that, um, we also realize that the place that, that that shows up the most is in the culture of blue-collar businesses. When you have a group of people that already feel like there's a low expectation that they're expected to live up to, then they don't try real hard, you know? Yeah. Uh, and this is where the, the stereotypes of the plumber's crack and the, you know, the, um, the cat calls from construction workers when women walk by mm-hmm. and these, these awful stereotypes that are so pervasive um, and cliches that we see in culture references all the time, that's where those things come from. And so as we shift that, as we decide, you know what, I don't want a business like that. We've talked to business owners that just decided one day, I am sick and tired of feeling like a slave to my business and I know it needs to change. And everyone in my business, I suspect, is probably doing drugs and everything else. And so I got a clean house. And so they just announced on a Friday afternoon, hey, everyone, when you come in on Monday morning, be ready to pee in a cup because we're doing a drug test. And if you don't pass it, you don't work here. And then Monday morning, nobody showed up at work. Everybody (laughs) in the entire business quit over the weekend and just decided not to show up Monday and subject themselves to that, to that uh, drug test. And so well, you know, you know, when, something, when something like that happens, you realize my culture is awful. I mean, if this is what I've built, I've just created a nightmare for myself that I have to live and wake up and live in every single day. And so the story of changing that culture is really where Taylor and I have found a particular interest in, mm-hmm. because we, we, we feel like we understand what it takes to create a good culture in your business, one that will give you everything that you want, that will give you back that freedom in your business. You'll have people and employees that you trust fully to run the business and know what the standards are to run it by while you step out and take uh, advantage of some of that freedom to do other things that you want to do with your life. Yeah, you know, when you were telling that story, it reminded me of something that I heard a while ago, and I think this is really true. Uh, and this was by a, 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 a PhD uh, psychologist in, in cultural and family psychology. And one of the things he said was, you know, criticism 
really will compel people um, in, in bad ways. Their conscience will console them. So what he said is when you criticize somebody, their conscience will console them, meaning uh, they aren't going to react well to it. If somebody says to you, walks up to you and says, Carter, you're, you're the worst business leader in the world. I can't believe you're doing this. You need to do so many things better in your business. You're immediately, your, your conscious is going to start telling you in your mind, you're going to hear those voices saying, well, geez, they don't know me and I'm not doing bad. And what are they talking about? You know, and, and every single thing they, they're saying could have some validity towards it. But because they're approaching you in this criticizing manner, uh, you aren't going to be very receptive of it. On the flip side, when you compliment somebody, their conscience will compel them. So if someone were to come up to you and say, Carter, you know, you're doing a great job. I really appreciate what you're doing. Here's the things I noticed that you're doing right. You're going to be want to do even better. You're going to want to um, work harder. You're going to want to invest yourself more in that business. And I think that's kind of a different way of saying what you're already saying with with the culture, or maybe that plays into it. If you're creating this culture where expectations are low and where people are constantly feeling like they're being criticized rather than complimented, they will not give their best work, um, and they're going to find find excuses within themselves to uh, live down <laughs> to their the potential that they're being criticized down to. So, I appreciate what you're saying about that. Now. You mentioned a couple of times your book. You said you talk about leadership in your book. You say you talk about culture in your book. And there's there's obviously eight more things that you talk about in your book. We don't have time to go over all of those on the show today. But um, how, how can those listening, they've liked what you had to say, how can they get a hold of your book and find out what those other eight things are? Sure. We have uh, The book is available now as a paperback book and as a Kindle uh, book edition on Amazon.com. So simply go to Amazon.com and do a search for Blue Collar Proud, and you'll see the book by Carter Harkins and Taylor Hill and uh, order it. It's, it really is a good read, and it really builds on. Those 10 principles build one on the next. And we start with leadership for a reason, and then we work progressively through all 10 principles that will help you start to really examine. What we hear oftentimes from business owners that read it is, you know, I didn't think that I had any of that um, lingering those, those pride issues or those dignity uh, types of uh, things in my business. I felt like I was proud of what I did, but, you know, after reading your book, I realized that there's still some times where I'm, I'm embarrassed to park my work truck in the driveway after a hard day's work, or, you know, I feel like I've got to hire people because I need so many people in my business. There's such a labor shortage that I've got to settle for, people with a lot of baggage and let them work in my business simply because I need them so badly to do the work. And anytime Mm -hmm. you settle, that's a pretty good indication that you have decided that what you do isn't worth finding the best people to do it. And so um, that, that can be an indicator. So in reading this book, I think it's really helped business owners of all types, even business owners who feel very successful in what they've done, uh, to take it to the next level and be even more successful and power that. I want to add so to it's that. Not We've all, for, it's not just for blue-collar workers. It's for everybody. Yeah, correct. Uh, but I, I do want to throw something else in because I've had people that have come to us and, and said, you know, this all sounds great, but I'm, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to steer my ship differently. And so Carter and I uh, have actually started doing workshops, doing culture workshops uh, with people. 
and to where we um, go into their companies and they close their their close their doors pretty much for two and three days, depending on the size of their company. And we take them through an entire process to actually start um, the leadership and the culture process. Now, it never ends. And this is something that a lot of people don't understand. You just don't set it once, you know, it's not <laughs> set it and forget it. It doesn't work that way. Culture is an ongoing thing. But, but you need sometimes, you need some outside perspectives and to be able to come in and say, okay, here's what you need to do to buy in. And you've got to buy in here, and if you can't, nothing's going to work. So we work from the, the very top ownership. We start with them, and then we get in with their, their staff, and we work with everybody over a two- or three-day period and really start developing the skills that they need to be able to build that culture for themselves as time goes on. And so that's been something that's been invaluable for, for some companies that we've been working with. Yeah, and I think, I think you're right about that because I think sometimes it's hard to, uh, you know, I'm sure that the, every single principle in the book is, is amazing and easily, um, well, and maybe that's the part that's right. It's implementable, but it's hard sometimes to implement when you feel like there's so much to do. So having that extra guidance or that extra um, workshop, that extra instruction from you could really be helpful. Um, it, yeah, it, it and the other thing bit. that people don't understand about culture, Allison, is that yeah. everything else outside of it, once you get your culture right, then your people buy in and you've got help with all the rest of it. You uh, actually I love that. It's people. the buy-in. Yeah. Yeah, you get, if, if you get people to buy into it, that, that's, you, you hit it right on the head because I think the hardest thing about shifting a culture, and I know this as a parent, <laughs> trust me, you know, when I, when I try and introduce something new to my kids, the hardest part is the buy-in. It's not, yes. it's not what we're doing. It's getting people on board with what I'm trying to do. So uh, same thing with business as well. So, yeah, yeah, the buy-in. So, yeah, somebody, the, the leader of the business may be reading the book, and they may be sold on it, but, you know, how do you get the clients to buy in? So, or how do you get your workers to buy in? That's definitely a benefit of having you come and do a workshop in person. Now, a couple other ways that uh, you can get more of Taylor and Carter in your life. Uh, first of all, you guys, and I know this because I'm the editor-in-chief for this magazine, but you are actually going to be featured in the Icon Advisor magazine. Um, this week, I believe the edition gets released today. So if you're wanting more of Taylor and Carter, go to www.iconadvisor. Um, magazine.com or Google Icon Advisor Magazine. Uh, it may just be IconAdvisor.com. I can't even remember the only, you know the URL to the, the magazine that I'm chief editor in. But anyway, Google Google Icon Advisor Magazine. Um, you you'll see uh, Taylor and Carter are featured in there. There's a great article in there written by them. You can find out more about them. And then you guys also have a podcast too. Uh, tell me tell me about that or how how I would be able to listen to that or the people that are listening that want to hear more from you. It's a podcast that's available anywhere fine podcasts are consumed. So if you like to get your podcasts from iTunes, then check us out. Just simply uh, search for Blue Collar Proud Show. Uh, You can also download our free app on iOS devices or for Google Android devices. Uh, Simply go to to, uh, Google Play or to um, the uh, iTunes App Store and search for Blue Collar Proud You'll find our app and download it. Lots of great bonus content, special offers from the um, uh, people that, that we work with, as well as from our own marketing company, Spark Marketer. 
So it's free and it's a great place to connect with us and uh, let us know, especially if you're listening, because we love to know when new listeners join us to find out where they are and how we can help them grow. Great. Well, we have about 30 seconds left, and I wanted to give you an opportunity for for a final thought. What's the one thing that you want to leave us with today? You know, we, we're looking at each other like, what, what is it we want to communicate? You know, it's, 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 the bottom line for us both is that creating a culture that you can be proud of really is not a mystery. It's not a mysterious thing. It's not an accident either. And there are some very specific things that you can begin doing right now to start building a business that transforms itself from a prison that you never feel like you can leave to become one that is truly set free and gives you that dream that you first had when you first decided you wanted to go into business. That business is possible. And a lot of it starts with transforming your culture. And I just add to that, it's possible, but it takes a lot of work. And with great intention, it's very doable. Love it. Well, Carter and Taylor, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a privilege to have you. Uh, If you are wanting to learn the principles to help create that kind of culture that Taylor and Carter have been talking about in your business, make sure to check out their book, go to their podcast, uh, download their app. Many ways that you can get a hold of them. Check them out in the Icon Advisor magazine. Uh, And next time, next week, we'll have more guests on that are transforming their own lives and now working to transform the lives of other people. This is Allison H. Larson, and you've been listening to Spotlight. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.